Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company on the cutting edge of trends. Now, let's talk tech. All right, everybody, we got another awesome episode of the Event Tech Podcast ready and ready to get into your earbuds and talk about all the fun things of event tech. But before we get into that, I got to welcome my co-host, the lying Brant Kruger of event tech, not event technology consulting, oh, the yeah. lying Brant Kruger of IDCOM. I'm eventually going to get this right. <laughs> lying? You know, I actually, I'm going to admit, I flipped through a couple of random adjectives because I didn't want it to be a negative one. So, wow. I was thinking, not just lying, but also you, you were taking a nap. So like, oh, I see. I was the lying, lying. lying see, down. it could be going to both ways. It could be bad, or dude. Good. Audience, you I decide. <laughs> I may, I, I may or may not have fallen asleep over the lunch hour. I'm not gonna lie. Um, not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. And that gentleman over there is the divergent Will Kern of endless Ooh. events. You know, I did the we did the movie premiere for the divergent movie when it came out, uh, and I actually really liked the soundtrack of that movie. So. The movie itself, not so good. <laughs> I remember, yeah, I remember kind of liking the first one and then not liking the rest Def, of Definitely not, didn't see the second one. And then I think they shut, they were going to do a third one and they like got canceled. So that's like how you can tell a trilogy is going bad. Like, we're not even going to finish this, this yeah, book series. Not even going to try. <laughs> um, well, we're not talking about movies, not talking about divergence, we're not, not talking about snapping. What? We, what? we are going to talk about our favorite reoccurring topic that just seems to <sighs> never go away. And that is cybersecurity. In fact, we had a question from the audience from, I think you say your name, Eliza Cortez. Um, sorry if I said your name wrong. Uh, Eliza asked, for the safety of your virtual event or virtual events you have worked on, uh, what steps would you provide a new virtual event planner to ensure they do not get a cyber attack? So uh, we have saw this as a good chance. There's a lot of news going on around cyber attacks, and you and I have had some personal things, yeah. I think, up happened to us as well recently that we can talk about, and then I think we can go into tips mode from there. Yeah, and I'm going to take a stab and say it's Alyssa. Alyssa, Alyssa, Alyssa. Oh, okay. So if if all if all of those are wrong, we apologize to you <laughs> profusely. If any one of them is right, then yay, we win. <laughs> then yay. Yeah, you know. So this has had. Yeah, we've 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 hit security a few times over the course of the podcast, but it's a great one. I'm so happy that you brought it back up, um, Alyssa or Eliza, <laughs> um, for, because it is it is something that that is passionate. We're both passionate about and uh, something we've addressed. But I think we have to preface this with, um, as many of you who have heard those episodes know, Will and I have had different opinions on what the best password manager is. <laughs> and I have been a LastPass guy for 10 years. I mean, easily 10 years, possibly longer. I don't even know when I start first started using LastPass. And I have been a passionate advocate for LastPass because the people that I trust in the security industry and, and, and uh, uh, you know, that are, you know, techie people and people, you know, that, that know this stuff inside and out, they trusted it and they recommended it. And so I had no problems doing it. So as many of you may have heard or received notice, LastPass was hacked. And one of the biggest criticisms that's often given about password managers is what happens if the password manager gets hacked? Then they have all my passwords, right? And my answer has always been, look, they're, if they're doing it right, hackers could walk in the front door, 
steal the servers, take them home, and you know you're still going to be safer than than not using a password manager. And that is still the, that's still the fact. So that's basically what happened. Is is as LastPass has slowly been dripping and drabbing the information about the hack. It does sound like that hackers got a hold of some of the encrypted vaults, if not all of the encrypted vaults. That's part of what we don't know is how many encrypted vaults <clears throat> people got a hold of. And so we don't know how bad it is. And But the fact of the matter is, if you used a strong password for your vault, you should be safe. If, however, you used a password like monkey123 for your... <laughs> For your password vault, you are hosed. You are hosed because they have the vaults and they're going to run password crack, you know, algorithms against those vaults. So if you've been following my advice over these years, I've always said, make it a hard one. Make that because it's the last password you're ever going to have to learn. It's LastPass, right? Was the idea behind it. And so literally, I had probably a 16 digit alphanumeric password that I forced myself to memorize. Um, and it wasn't monkey one, two, three. So that's the kind of the good news, bad news is. So the, the bad news is that LastPass definitely got hacked. The bad news, the worst news is they definitely got a hold of some of the vaults. The, the good news is if you used a strong password for, those, for that password manager, you're fine. Like it will take them a billion years to crack that password. Um, nonetheless, the way that they've handled the 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 hack has been less than stellar. It's been like I said, it's been drips and drabs. Um, there's been some funny business about you know what was or wasn't taken. There's been some funny business about how they did the encryption. There's been some funny business about enough things that those same security professionals that I trusted have said it's time to leave. Mm. And when they say it's time to leave, it's time to leave. <laughs> and so I've I've been moving my stuff out of LastPass. So basically, I still have LastPass installed everywhere. As soon as I see that little icon light up that, hey, I've got a password saved for this website, I immediately use my new password manager, which I'll get to in a second, uh, to, um, uh, to create a new password. So just in, on the off chance they're able to get into my vault, I'm slowly changing all of my passwords uh, one by one into a new password manager. And then I use that as a way of indicating. And then I, uh, I move that out of LastPass. I, I like move it into a dead folder basically in LastPass. Oh, so nice. that no longer lights up. And so it's a little reminder in my upper right-hand corner of my browser to, okay, I, I, that, I have that in LastPass. I need to change it and move mm -hmm. it over. Nice. Now, what what have you been using so far? So I've been using uh, Dashlane. Dashlane, uh, yep. yeah, and, and uh, just a quick update for anyone who uh, that knows I've been using Dashlane is that I've actually been really really happy with uh, a they actually added two factor authentication mm -hmm. as part yep. of it too. So now it like streamlines some things, some processes for me. Um, so I actually recently moved all my two factor authentication inside of Dashlane too, which you know yeah it's a little bit more unsecure because it's you know one password can get you in everything, but um, yep. You know, it's made it so much faster for me to get two off, two off, two FA codes. <laughs> yeah. Now, I definitely, I want to, you know, I want to take a step back and we'll hit each of those things individually. I just, I had to address the the elephant in the room yeah. uh, right away, and that was that was LastPass. So now, 
Now, why don't we take a step back and and just talk about password managers in general, um, you know, to answer the question about the things that you can do. I still say the number one thing you can do to protect yourself is to have a password manager. Oh, easily. Yeah. It's it's funny because like for so many people that don't use one, they think that it's hard, but they don't realize that it's this thing that you just do. You install it once. It starts saving your passwords and like you, it just becomes easy. Like, I don't know what I would be able to do right now without the feature that says generate a secure password and then immediately saving it. Like I literally, that's like, I don't even think about the idea of what my passwords are anymore. I just know that they're all secure and it's like, honestly, like so life-saving and so yeah. brings so much peace of mind. And to take a step back, why that's important is the number one way that people get hacked is through reusing passwords. Mm-hmm. So if you are trying to keep them all in your brain, or you're just using you know variations on password one two three or something like that, and that's what consistently as these you know as somebody gets hacked and the password table is exposed, there's so many people that are using monkey one two three password one two three. Like you think you're being clever doing monkey one two three. Everybody does monkey one, two, three, you know, that kind of thing. And the the number of passwords that include the word password in it is obscene. And so the number one way when people says, oh, my Instagram got hacked, usually it's because you've reused that password on another site. And so what Will's talking about, being able to generate, auto-generate these randomized passwords with uppercase, lowercase, numbers, and then... The other thing is you can make them really, really long because you don't have to remember yeah, them. So make them 16 characters, 18 characters, 20 characters, because the longer the password is, the more impossible it is for someone to ever figure it out, even if they have direct access to that password vault, direct access to those servers. Um, and so that's the number one reason, I think, to use a password manager is, one, it's convenient. You know, It's oh. just sitting up there going, hey, do you want me to save that? And then you say, yeah. And then every time you sign up for a new site, you use it to create a yeah, 16-digit alphanumeric password that's never going to be reused. And most of these services, including Dashlane and LastPass and all of the other ones, will say, hey, just so you know, you've already used that password before. <laughs> Would you like to consider using you know, something different? Or they'll run a security check and see how many times you've used monkey123 as your password. So it really is kind of the number one thing that you can start to do as a, as a you know, new event prof um, is to get a password manager and use it to create unique and 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 long <laughs> passwords for every website that you do it. And in fact, it annoys me now where when I'll I'll use it and it'll be like, oh, we need your password to be you know eight to twelve characters. It's like why? Not, why? Yeah. You know, that's, that's or it's ridiculous. like you can't use an exclamation point, but you right. can use all the other symbols. And I'm like, oh come on, oh, like come uh. on, right, right, right. <laughs> so so just you know that's the number one thing. And and so anytime somebody gets hacked and they, and I mean like an organization, and they get access to, you know, 200,000 passwords. They add that to a master dictionary, basically. And so whoever, I guarantee whoever got those LastPass accounts is running those master dictionaries against those LastPass accounts to see which ones will open. And um, so having having those abilities, where was I going with it? Okay. So as soon as one of those things gets hacked... They take that table and then they run it against all of the banks, all of the credit cards, Google, Microsoft, Apple, you know, all of those things. So if you've reused your password on any of those accounts, that's the first thing they're going to check. Now, during the pandemic, where was everybody when they were meeting? Virtually. 
Yeah, where mostly. Yeah, from their on homes. Zoom. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, Zoom. so so Zoom got added to that. Cvent's gotten added to that. All mm-hmm. of those big dog players are now added to that list of sites that they immediately try once they get a list of passwords. So just know that, that that if you've reused, you know, if your password for your Zoom account because you're sharing it with everyone at your association is password one, two, three, or the name of your association plus the number four, you know, something <laughs> like that, um, they're going to try that against all of those sites. So that's the biggest thing with password managers. And I'll add a, a tip for everybody too, like for all new virtual event managers too, a lot of times when you're working with all these online tools, you know, you might have only bought one seat that allows you to get access to it. You might not have individual accounts for each person working on the event. You might be all sharing a login. And so a big issue that I also see with this too is that you might even set a secure password, but then you copying and pasting it and sharing it is just as dangerous because you don't know what that person's doing with that password then at that right. point. Um, and I think actually I just saw the movie Missing last night, just came out. But if you want to see the most hilarious ability for how easy it is for people to figure out what your passwords are, if you're not using these complex passwords, just watch that movie and you will – it's also part of the humor of the movie. But it's so funny and I hope it brings more attention to the people being like, look, don't create simple passwords that are barely different from time to time and then also then just copy and paste him into an iMessage and share him. So one of my favorite features of these password managers too is the ability to share passwords without the person having access to it. Um, what's great about it is basically will autofill in the person and log them on in without them seeing it. There are some clever ways that you can do to kind of get around this if you're really trying, but most people are not trying. They just want access to the tool and they're gonna get into it. And so what's nice about this, you can share the password and then the best part is if the employee leaves or you're not working with that contractor, you can revoke access to it right then and there. And you can feel at least a little bit more confident that, hey, did I, did I have to delete all those messages? Did I send a password via email? Did I write it down on a note? Do they have it? It makes your, again, peace of mind that you've done the best you can to prevent these things from happening. And I'll give you a perfect real-world example of that is like registration staff. The number of times that I've been at a registration table, looked down on the laptop, and seen like the username and password on a sticky note next to the you know next to the next to the laptop while you're while you're registering, um, I you know I can't even count. And so you know you've got these temporary staff; they're only there one night. You don't want them having you know full access to your you know Cvent registration system or something like that. So you can you can use these password managers to dole out who has access to the account. Soon as that event's done, you revoke access, and then you know that's the like like you said. There's ways to get around it, but then you can at least be a little bit more leisurely about going in. Because the other thing that these password managers offer is usually one-click change of the passwords. So So you'll click change password; it'll immediately go to you know uh, you know cvent.com/slash/change/password or whatever you know whatever it is, um, and initiate a password change auto-generate a new password, click, go, you're done. And so it'll really help speed that aspect of it as well. Totally. Um, I think we might have uh, beaten the password manager. Just If you don't have one right now, yeah. go get one. Like, yep. Don't get LastPass. I can right. officially say that yeah. now. Yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But I want to know, real quick, before we go on to probably yeah. maybe like two-factor, is that like a good, a good topic to maybe move to next? What Which one did you end up picking? Or are we going to save it to the very end? I went to Bitwarden. Block? So I went. Oh, I moved over to Bitwarden. Bitwarden nice. is, um, what uh, again, it's been vetted. It's open source at its core. Nice. So like literally you can roll your own. If you don't trust the company, you can make your own. And nice. you can you can run your own Bitwarden server. And, and then nobody has to touch your passwords. Now, then you're responsible for the security of that <laughs> server. Um, 
And, you know, like all of these, they've got a free plan and then there's a paid plan. The paid plan in an open source project like that is just for support. You know, you're, you're just paying to keep things alive, you know, help uh, buy the devs a beer and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm happy to do that. Again, the, the technology behind it has been vetted. Um, by security professionals. And so I'm, again, comfortable recommending that to folks. It's a little jankier because open source tends to be a little jankier. But I do love the idea of supporting the open source. I love the fact that anybody can look at the code if they need to. And really good code, you can look at it and you're not going to find any holes in it. So that's that's the best thing is like many eyes uh, looking at it are going to be able to uh, help keep it secure and help keep it protected. Nice. That's awesome. Um, well, let's move on probably to another tip that we can give to people for, you know, keeping yourself from getting a cyber attack. And that is using two factor authentication, which is something that I kind of teased earlier. Um, basically uh, the brand definition is something you have, what is something that you have and I'm just something, you you know, which is (laughs) something, you know, and then something you have, which is your phone. Which is your phone, like, yeah. yeah. So this is when you get, like, a text message confirmation. They enter this code that you get as a text message. We recommend, like, at minimum, yes, do the text message. But that's not the most secure way to do it. So whenever possible, try to enable – oh, sorry, don't try to – Always just enable two-factor authentication. (laughs) Just like go into the settings of these apps, your Zoom, your Cvents, whatever the heck apps you are using. In fact, do this across your entire life and just turn on two-factor authentication. Um, You know, I think it's gotten a lot easier to do it. Before, you had to use Google Authenticator where if you lost your phone, now you lost all your two-factor authentication codes. But now there's things like Authy, which is like a cloud-based storage of your two-factor authentication codes. Again, a little bit less secure. And then you even have like, I was talking about earlier, like Dashlane now stores the two-factor authentication codes as well and then auto fills it so when it pops up it automatically fills in the two-factor authentication code again you're always going to be trading convenience and um and for security basically yeah. so always keep that in mind the more convenient something is tends to be a little bit less secure but right. all these things are really really good it just gives more hoops for a hacker to have to go through in order to do these things or for if let's say for example you gave the password to a contractor, you forgot that you copy and pasted in an iMessage, and they try to log in to get that data later down the road. If you have two-factor authentication enabled, they can't get in because it's going to ping you and say, hey, you're trying to get in this account. Here's the code. And you're going to be like, what the heck? And I, that's actually triggered me a couple times to change yeah. passwords on accounts when I am getting a two-factor authentication code out of the blue or you know something like that or uh, an email saying, oh, you're trying to log in. Click this to confirm. You know, So... Enable two-factor authentication. Again, it's something that's just takes a little bit extra time. Go into settings, turn it on. I think 90% of my apps I'm working with nowadays have it. Um, tends to be a little bit of smaller companies that don't tend to have it. But like almost every software I know is turned on two-factor authentication. And, and real quick, for anybody who's been like, I've heard this episode before, we are covering <laughs> some things that we haven't done before. We just want to make sure that we're covering the basics as well, which is always going to be for us, it's going to be password manager and two-factor authentication. And, and you know, not assuming that everybody has heard those other episodes. So if you've heard those other episodes and you're like, oh God, not again, <laughs> um, just know that we are kind of going to cover some other things as well. But what I want to say a couple things on two-factor is one is, you know, LastPass also offered their own, you know, two-factor authentication. I intentionally did not do that, mainly because I didn't want all my eggs in one basket. I wanted mm-hmm. a, you know, a separation. Totally. It's also why I don't recommend putting all of your passwords in like Chrome. Like Chrome offers you, you know, all the major browsers will offer to save your passwords for you. I don't recommend doing that because 
if your Google account gets hacked, they have everything now, right? They have access to everything. So if one of your accounts, if your Apple account gets hacked, they have access to all your passwords through your keychain, if you know those kinds of things. So now if you're using a really strong, secure password, that's unlikely to happen. But to me, it's just like, well, why not just put it in a different app? You know, it's not that big a deal to open a different app and have a different authenticator app. Google makes an authenticator app. Microsoft makes an authenticator app. Um, The one that I use is, I should have looked this up before I go, is um, OTP Auth. And that is on uh, iOS only, uh, OTP auth. But what it's great is it uses an encrypted uh, iCloud store so that it works across devices. And again, it's another one of those encryptions where they don't have access to it. So even if they were hacked, they don't have access to that uh, that encrypted uh, number of things. So uh, I just like to keep that particular egg in a different basket uh, for the one-time passwords, uh, those one-time. And then the other thing that I want to make sure that we emphasize is the 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 text notification isn't enough so yeah. if they have the option of doing one of these uh, you know uh uh you know one-time password uh apps use it uh over just a straight up straight S- sms message because sms isn't the most secure thing either now chances mm-hmm. are you'd have to be like a targeted attack for somebody to be you know monitoring your sms messages but um it's just one more thing of like yeah, why not? You know, just yeah. keep that again. Again, keep that egg in a different basket, you know, a secure, you know, way of getting generating those one-time codes um, as opposed to just trusting SMS. Now, one of the advantages of me having to redo all of my passwords <laughs> in a password manager is I've discovered how many uh, different uh, sites have added um, mm. two-factor authentication. So being totally. able to do that, like my list has probably doubled uh, yeah, over the yeah. course of this process exactly. of like, oh, they added it. Because they don't necessarily, it's not like something they send an email and be like, hey, good news, we've added, you know, uh, two-factor authentication. Yeah. So it's worth checking back on your, you know, your bank accounts, your financial accounts, your your major registrations, your just Zoom accounts. all your all software, let's be honest. Like just, just yeah. when you log in, go if you haven't checked the settings recently, just go in the settings and look and see if it has it. Um, I'll add in there too that, um, you know, one amazing setting you can do as a planner too is the, a lot of these apps when you're creating specific u- multiple user accounts for with them too, you can do things like force your users to have mm. two-factor authentication. Yep. This is a little bit less common, but I'm noticing in a lot of the big players, like for example, HubSpot, I can require you to have two-factor authentication. So it's really nice. It gives them like two weeks to set up their account. It's going to say, hey, set up your two-factor authentication. And it's really great. What's also awesome is a lot of them are now moving into saying you need to have two forms of two-factor authentication too. So then that way you're doubly secure as well. So um, consider turning on that setting. No, sorry. I got to turn my vocabulary. Just turn <laughs> on the setting to require it. Everybody kind of knows what two-factor authentication. I've also noticed the number of times that people are get confused on onboarding new employees and being like, I need a two-factor authentication app, blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh, I know. Yeah, I know. And I, I know I need this and I know how it works. Huh. Yeah. So you're running into more and more people that understand. That yeah. That's, yeah. You can just use that. Yeah. I feel like uh, I feel like the endless Slack requires two-factor authentication. Yeah. 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 We, I just turn it on on every – require it. I turn on everything I can because I'm yep. just like – it's, again, peace of mind. Like it – it's not just about also securing you. It's also starting to think about you as an event planner. If you're signing up for these tools, you're a little bit of an IT person too, right? It's like one of the more hats that you have to wear. So consider, you know, plopping that in and making your organization a little bit more secure. I can't just peace and it's, of an, mind. it's another sad part of the LastPass hack is that that doesn't help because mm-hmm. they got the actual 
gold. They got the, you know, they got the golden egg, which are the actual vaults themselves. So it's not asking for two-factor because they've got the last pass side of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, sure. that's that's usually a client-side challenge of like, oh, you're logging in? Great, check your two-factor. But, you know, that's they they don't they, they wouldn't have that on their side. So that's the bummer <laughs> about that. Um we could move on to another tip. Absolutely. Um so uh it's on the topic of Thinking about this as an IT person, always, and the fact that you manage this stuff is think about your integrations and where the data is going that you are custodying. Um, you know, for example, if you have a registration system and you have an integration with Airtable or Google Sheets to auto export into a spreadsheet, make sure you know about all those integrations and consider turning them off when you don't need them as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Consider where that data is going and deleting the data on the secondary side. So for example, if you set up an integration, I'll use like Google Sheets since a lot of people of Google Sheets, that it auto exports your registration list into a Google Sheet so you can give it to the hotel to make that easier. Well, make sure you go and delete that spreadsheet once it's done being worked with. I think a lot of times we end up hanging on to data. We end up leaving integrations on. I recently went through a couple tools and was just like, Turn off notification or turn off integration, turn off integration. Zapier, like I went through and disabled a lot of apps that were connecting to it because you just don't think about the fact that you, you turn on these integrations. Sometimes you even test or play with and then you forget to completely turn them off. And I think that's a really, really easy way that you can keep yourself secure. Um, I, I see it being like a, a just it's never going to be solved by an app or something like that. You just have to be aware of it and just right. remember. So set a task for yourself that when you're closing out that event, go, you know, Go and delete the datas. Go in, turn off the integrations, all those fun things. And I think that can keep you really, really secure. And, you know, yeah, like put on a soundtrack, grab a glass of wine and do it over <laughs> a three, four hour period that you have to go do this stuff. Yeah. And consider it like the cathartic burning of the binder at the end of an event or something like that. <laughs> Not well, that and I'll give you, that. <laughs> I'll give you a real world example of that as well. That as, as Twitter has slowly imploded, mm. they clearly have been firing a lot of their engineers. And so things have been breaking left and right. Yeah. And so one of the things that can easily break then are those integrations. And so as other, you know, and so one of the things that I went into is why I went into Twitter and was like, oh my goodness, all of the apps that I had connected to Twitter oh, and, yeah. you know, that was, you know, pulling my tweets for my website or, you know, was pushing tweets or, you know, all of those kinds of things. As those things are not being maintained, they become less secure. And so, you know, there was probably 15 different apps that were connected to Twitter. And I was just like, delete, 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 delete. I don't need any of those as, uh, as we've slowly watched that implode. I, I think I'm thinking about deleting my Twitter account. I'm definitely I, I'm on the verge of deleting my Facebook account. Really, really and finally, just yeah. completely just deleting it. Welcome so. to the club. It's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful, peaceful. I mean, I haven't calm used them. World. I, I get the comm piece for sure. I agree with the comm piece, but I haven't actually deleted them yet. I'm just kind of like, yeah. oh hey, if I ever want them, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of regret it. I think I like deleting my MySpace accounts and I was like, oh, maybe I, you know. Anyways, on, yeah, that's a completely separate, to, to, yeah, yeah. separate topic. But, you know, to that point, I changed the password and I added I added two-factor to Twitter, yeah. right? So I, I removed Boom. all of those applications. Nice. I changed the password. I added two-factor. So, yes, it's still there. I'm not there, but it's yeah. still there should I, should yeah. I ever need it. Um, and, and same with Facebook. Like it's, it's, you know, it technically exists, but it's not there. Yeah, um, you know, I could log in tomorrow and it'd be like, great, you know, <laughs> welcome back. Um, so yeah, be aware of those data integrations. Where are you pushing your data? And yeah, take, take a glass of wine, review that every now and then, 
and just remember, okay, yeah, oh, that's right. I did have that app that connected to all of my social media accounts <laughs> for that event because I needed to push everything at once. Well, that's an avenue of attack as well. Yep. If, if anyone doesn't remember, since it feels like it was such a long time ago, the whole Cambridge Analytica thing, the reason why people got so frustrated is because Facebook gave them so much data and right. then the data provider just really abused it. So just keep in mind, too, it's sometimes you don't think about these integrations and potentially abusing your data. It's obviously it's changed a lot with GDPR and everyone's a little bit more scared, but it still can happen. Um, you don't need to on? go in depth, but it's worth piling in right here that if you can't figure out how they make their money, the answer is they make their money from you and your data. So if you can't see if you, if you don't know, if you're not sure what the product is and how they make their money, you're the product. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Um Okay, I got another tip um, when it comes to it is, you know, when it comes to thinking about what tools you're going to use to and you're vetting the initial tools, talk about security as a feature, like what it looks like. Just see what it generally looks like because a lot of times too, especially if you are a uh, and this question asked about new virtual event planners. A lot of times yeah. you're working with lower budget tools. You're not working with the enterprise C events or, you know, the high end tools. So a lot of these more low end tools where you might be trying to save a buck or two, those are the ones that are going to have some security issues. Granted, they're not as big as targets, but they might, you know, just having a simple conversation with them. Do you guys offer two factor authentication? You know, how does it get, how does the data get done? Like just having a conversation and you'll realize when they're very buttoned up about it. And right. and if you're really concerned about it, they'll bring more people in to help make you at ease in a lot right. of ways. But just consider the tools that you're using and just know that those are also just choosing the tools can also be a security decision too. And watch out for like just the marketing buzz of like, you know, military grade encryption, you know, that kind of, that's for me, that's actually a red flag. Cause like, yeah. you've got nothing better to say than military grade encryption. You're not thinking about security at all. So yeah, those are great questions to ask. Um, you know, one of the other things as we're seeing, as we were recording this, um, there's been a kind of a string of hacks, not, you know, not just LastPass, but also Norton, uh, Life lock or whatever their service is. Yeah. Uh, T-Mobile got hacked again um, as we're doing this. And it sounds like the T-Mobile hack was through an API. So here, you know, like a lot, on a lot of virtual event planners lists is, do you have an API? And so like, and then like the answer is yes. Okay, great. That they see that as a feature, but also know that's a, you know, that's a venue for attack. Mm -hmm. So a, a poorly written API can expose data to whoever's asking for it. All an API is, is a way of exchanging information between apps. Um, yeah. I think it's literally application... Protocol uh, interface. Protocol inter interchange or something. Yeah, yeah. so I, I forget off the top of my head. But just that, like all an API is, is a way for apps to exchange data. And so if you are exposing that data to theoretically you and your other apps, you're also exposing it to other people in the world. And so just know that that's, that's a double-edged sword. So, you know, really kind of drilling into how much thought have they put into their API or have they been like, oh no, we'll just spool that up for you, you know, because if you need it, we don't have an API for that registration platform, but we can make one, sure. You know, like <laughs> that, that would make me a little nervous yeah. uh, because yeah. that means they're winging it uh, yeah. when it comes to their API. Um, I'll add into that, like, I think a lot of the big 
larger tools are moving away from the idea of wanting to use, have you use an API and rather trying to have as many direct integrations as possible. So I've seen this trend, again, I, you guys know I love HubSpot, but HubSpot basically was like, hey, like stop using the API as much and like let they're just have a team trying to create as many direct connections as possible. Because when you have those direct connections, there's less chances that an API key can get intercepted and then boom, someone has total access to exporting all the contacts out of your CRM, for example. Right, um, right, right. So I'll, I got another tip, um, and it's related to the the non-technology part, and we might have to come back to technology in case I totally figured out anything, but it's the human side of the hacking portion that a lot of times, you know, we think to ourselves, I got a password manager. Oh, yeah, like you mentioned, they have military-grade encryption, but, you know, a lot of times these hacks and the data mess-ups and all these things like that happen because of user error. Um, and sometimes, again, it might not be you as the user error in a lot of ways. It might be someone within the organization. And that's a big reason why when you talk to data protection officers inside of these organizations and say, like, I want to talk to your data protection officer, their job is really to be a really good manager of, you know, of, of their people's habits, of the awareness going on and everything like that. So um, this is uh, the one story I want to share. I haven't had a chance to dive deep with it with Brent yet is that recently, um, like within our company, we've been getting an uptick in the number of uh, people trying to impersonate Will Current. Um, so, you know, I again, how they get this data, who knows, it's buying a data, say it's, it gets added to another database. But somehow some notorious actor has gotten a hold of all my employees' cell phone numbers, which and to be honest, all you have to do is cross-reference employee list with known database of cell phone numbers. And they send out in a text saying, oh, hey, it's Will Curran. I'm in a meeting right now. Can you text me back? And then what they try to do is make you think that it's me, right? And then they're going to ask for information, all these things like that. And that's how they I get can't. You. I can't get into HubSpot. I can't get into uh, HubSpot. It's, exactly. it's asking me for a two-factor. Uh, what's, what's, uh, what's the code? Yeah, and it's it's super. They're smart. They they know what tools you're using on your website. They know what you know email services that you're using. They're really really smart now. Um, and honestly, like we used to worry about like spoofed emails and things like that. Spoofing people is now the new thing because yeah, you might see a sketchy Bank of America email or a sp sketchy HubSpot email and be like, Ugh, okay, I'm not going to click this. I'll just you know whatever it is. But a lot of times it's spoofing me as well. Um, I'm a big shout out to my CFO. He's like one of the most secure people. If he gets an email at all, he verifies that it came actually from me. It came from whatever it was. It was some tool. I sent him an invite. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I want you to have access to this tool. It tracks you know, affiliate commissions, blah, blah, blah. And you just added them to it. And he messaged me. He's like, hey, did you actually invite me to this? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I probably should have alerted you so you knew it was real you know, ahead of time. But a lot of the spoofing stuff is, is really, really sketchy now. Um, so I'm not sure if you have any new spoofing uh, stories to share. Well, it's, it's, I mean, to your point, it's worse. So the number one way that people get hacked is reusing passwords. Right. The number two way people get hacked is social engineering. Right. So it's it's not these like brute force through the front door type things anymore. It's these two mm -hmm. side door attacks, which is reusing passwords. Okay, great. I'm just going to plug that database in, and it's just going to go. You know, and these you know these these computers are so fast, it just rifles through the entire dictionary in like an hour. You know, not just like the literal dictionary, like the dictionary of passwords. Um, and then the social engineering stuff is getting worse and worse and worse. So on the social engineering side. 
you know, at first it was just the spoof emails, like the fake emails, the the phishing emails of like, oh, we're your bank chase. And then the, oh, the A is like an at sign or something like that. Um, you know, something, something along those lines or, you know, churse, you know, sorny, <laughs> you know, welcome to sorny music. Um, and, you know, those types of things. It was really, you know, kind of unsophisticated and they would send them out by, you know, by the millions. And then, you know, one in a billion would, would actually click on the link and you'd get in. But now they're getting much more sophisticated to your point of like, you know, cross-referencing these databases of, you know, employee names, phone numbers, who's the CEO, who's the CIO, you know, who's the CFO, you know, so I get a text message from the CFO saying, I'm locked out of the Excel database. I need to, you know, I need to send this check right away. You know, the, the vendors knocking down my door, the IRS, you know, whatever. And they use as much information as possible to make it as realistic as possible. And we've talked about again on this show, you know, that our data that we have is really, really valuable. You know, you've got executive names, executive spouse names, because they're traveling with them, flight times, you know, all of that stuff. And what they do is they use that information then to craft those text messages, to craft those email messages, to say, you know, Cindy Smith, you know, the CEO, you know, we we see you're coming in on flight 1219 Delta, you're arriving at 1pm, we want to make sure that the black car service is waiting there for you, please click here to verify that this information is correct. And they click on that information and, you know, click on the button and they're gone, you know, that's great. Oh. Thank you. And they're, you're, you know, your network is compromised. So they're getting really, really sophisticated with how they're Fishing basically for these things and and using social engineering to hack and we could probably spend a whole episode. This isn't a security podcast, but we could probably spend a whole episode on on just the, all of the various ways that people use social engineering to try and get into your accounts. So um, you might be thinking to yourself, well, how do I fix this? And yeah. the good news is, Will's got a solution for you. So this Yay. is something we implemented. I think since the last time we recorded, um, and the only way you can fix this sort of stuff is through awareness training, is the ability to know that these things are happening, how to identify them, how to feel sketchy about anything that's coming in. The reason why I don't care that someone got all the cell phone numbers of my employees, as much as that sucks, you know, in that they impersonate me, is that within seconds, every single employee was like posting in Slack, being screenshots of it saying, hey, I got this, this is super sketchy, everyone keep an eye out. Someone's like, I saw, got it too. And everybody was talking about it and making sure aware that it goes on. And you might be thinking to yourself, okay, well, there's a couple ways, you, how can you do that? Like, one, you can be the like the data Nazi um, and just tell everyone, but that's really hard to scale and it's hard to like constantly train every single person. So. One thing you can do is there's a lot of organizations that offer security awareness training. So Google best security awareness training and you can pay for that. It's not that expensive, like $2,000 for 100 employees because they just basically digitize it. But the one I've been really, really liking a lot, if you're more of a modern organization using something like Slack, Gmail, is a service called Riot. Um, so it's tryriot.com. It connects to your Google account and your Slack, so it automatically knows when new employees are coming in, and you basically can set it up that they get onboarded with a set of modules that train the awareness. It also does some cool things. You say what tools you're using, and it sends out phishing attempts, fake phishing attempts that look really real, and then it notifies Riot whenever someone's clicked it or open, even opened the email, and you can trigger trainings based on that as well. So... I've been really loving it because it does it all in Slack, so it's all in an integrated tool, but it allows you to see, like, gauge, like, 
you know, how many people are insecure, how many people are secure. So if you don't have anything like this, Riot's actually free for 10 users. So just go sign up, put your 10 most vulnerable users in it, do a test, and you're gonna see how many people pass and fail and then put them on the awareness training. Um, what's also cool is you can set up an email address. We have like, uh, I won't say the email out, out loud, but there's an email <laughs> that you can you, that we people can email and they forward anything they think is suspicious. So the security team is aware that these phishing attempts are trying to happen as well. So then that way you can base some information off it. But Try Riot has been amazing for our organization and we were already pretty secure. Um, so it's great. You just, new employee gets onboarded and they get a series of modules, everything from password managers, why they're important, two-factor authentication to phishing attempts. And then when new things happen, they add more modules to teach people about what the latest trends are. So huge fan of Riot. So yeah, education. I mean, that's what that's what it's all about, and that's why we do keep hitting back on this episode, as you know, about every year or so, is because it's all about education. And I will continue to shout from the rooftops, even with what happened from LastPass, it's still important to do all these things. And the the biggest way that you can protect yourself is to arm yourself with knowledge and know how they're doing these things and how advanced it's gotten and how automated it's gotten. And it's only going to get worse with things like these AI generated chats, which now you've got an AI on the other side that's answering as if there will, um, you know, and and being able to say, oh yeah, okay, thanks. And like answering things in real time and all of a sudden, and then you say, okay, do that three or four times and then ask for the, you know, for the for the password or for the two factor or something like that so that it seems very legit. And that's going to be the same thing with phone calls and voicemails and, you know, as the AI generated audio gets better, it's going to be like, "Hey, this is, you know, if you've got your, you know, it, all it takes now is about 3 seconds of recorded audio and some of these AIs are generating fairly convincing uh fully AI generated uh audio based on about 3 seconds of audio from from the source so it's it's crazy and it's only going to get worse that's so true yeah and, and you know the biggest thing is for you to stay on top of this stuff and and be aware that it's constantly changing just like technology itself is you know you want to stay on top of the trends like oh ai chat generated stuff you want to keep in mind about what's going on as well when it comes to security side of things so things to consider too is like signing up for a tech blog that because a lot of times these like blogs will cover when LastPass got hacked when LifeLock got hacked right like all these tools uh, will be aware so then that way you'll know when it get hacked and obviously like using a great password manager a lot of times they'll notify you as well but be aware of these things and you know, I think the biggest thing, and this is the thing that frustrates me whenever like I'm trying to educate my friends, is that they'll say things like, well, who cares who hacks me? I got nothing to hide. I got nothing. Yep. And you think that to yourself. Oh, yeah. Who cares if my Facebook account gets hacked? Oh, cool. They'll see who my friends are. But what they don't realize is that like they could use that then to target your family, to try to get money for your family. And wouldn't you be just yep. devastated if you found out that like your mom's bank account got completely drained? That would really, really suck. Now – contemplate even a bigger reaction to what happens if your insecure actions when it comes to security then cause the company to get in a big amount of trouble and that's the last thing that we want on here so the best thing you can do is just stay vigilant you know just like you stay tuned to what's going around your neighborhood stay tuned to what's going around the neighborhood that is the internet and the things that you use and in in the, you know to kind of put a button on on this is is again that idea of two factors right so if i'm signing you up for something 
I should, you know, don't just send an email and then a follow-up email from like, you know, call them, you know, call the person and say, hey, I'm going to add you to the registration system so that there's, you know, two different ways of contacting the person so that it's not just a random email out of nowhere. Yeah. You're going to, you know, send them a text and then send them an email, call them and then send them a text. You know, you use these different modes of communication. That's because it's unlikely that someone's going to be sophisticated enough unless they're a state actor to like AI generate a voice and then create an email and then create, you know, I mean, it's going to be that level of, of stuff. Is that possible? Sure. But it's unlikely that it's going to be you, but yes, absolutely. How bad would you feel if you were responsible for one of your clients getting hacked because you oh use the registration system, monkey one, two, three password, and then they got information that led them to get hacked through a phishing attack or something like that. How bad would you feel if that was something that you were responsible for? And then, yeah, or your loved ones or something along those lines. You know, my, my mom got the phone call of, you know, that I had been kidnapped and beaten or something like that. Oh and my God was like starting to go down that road. And finally, my dad was like, wait, who are you talking to? You know, kind of thing. And uh, was like, hang up. It's not a thing. <laughs> like, yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. So it's absolutely out there. It's absolutely dangerous. And I think uh, I think we've got it. I think we've covered it. We've added a little more than yeah. we did last time. We'll keep doing more. that. We'll keep you apprised as best we can as we start to uh, keep moving through this uh, technology jungle. You, you definitely put a great button on that one. I had one last tip that I just thought of now, too. We well, can't add a button. I already buttoned it. Sneak oh, in no. right at the oh, end, and no. then we'll have to redo it all over oh, again. It's no. all good. We're going to have to start all over. <laughs> all right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Event Tech Podcast. <laughs> so I, one tip I'll give for everybody, too, is that, like, is you know, for a long time, I would never really push people to use Slack as a tool mm. because I was always like, you know, yeah, if you don't like chatting, you prefer email or you want to do it via iMessage, it's good. But the best one of the best things about Slack is that you cannot impersonate Will Curran on Slack yet. Mm. I mean, like, obviously, like, I'm sure someone's having a field day trying to get in everybody's Slack accounts. But the great part is you can DM me and say, did you send this email? And I for sure, you know, it's me because. I'm two-factor authentication, Slack right. super duper secure, all these things like that. So one th consideration too is for your internal communications, move off of something that is completely secure that can't be impersonated. So email and phones are easy to impersonate now. So consider moving to something like Slack, use Teams, use Google Chat maybe um, because uh, you probably, I bet Google Chat's probably getting targeted a lot more. But like a tool like Slack, you always know that it's completely separate. So you can be completely secure. And I felt really comfortable sharing some really sensitive information via Slack because I know when it gets deleted that they have all the proper tools necessary for that as well. Yeah, that being said though, some of the hacks in Silicon Valley uh, and leaks have come from people True. coming in through Slack accounts, you know, whether it was a developer account or something along those sure. lines. I, I'm blanking on which one it was, but it was a fairly major one recently where the leaked information was coming from someone who impersonated someone else on Slack and got oh, in. Oh, well, so there you go. Able, well, I guess I was wrong. But, yeah. but take it back to the top, right? It was yeah. an insecure password or it was yeah. a temporary password that got shared. Um, it might, I think it actually might have been Twitter as part of this whole mm. Elon Musk takeover. Like somebody got in in a developer account and was like copying all of the stuff that was being posted internally. Um, so it's, it's things like that. So just be aware that that's still susceptible to rules A, B, and C. So, so, so you know, true. take it back to that's the top true. of the episode and know that if you've got an insecure password or you're not using two-factor authentication or something along those lines, those services are going to be just as vulnerable as all the others. So true. 
Well, I totally ruined your beautiful uh, wrap up on there, so I will just do it was my a, it was such a beautiful best button. to try such a beautiful to, button. To, 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 <laughs> to try to push the button again. Um, it's okay. You yeah, raised some it, great points. <laughs> we love we love to hear from you all. Shoot us an email, Event Tech Podcast at Hello Wendless, and let us know if you got any tech tips that you can use to be more secure. Um, and also, thank you so much to uh, we decided is it Eliza or Alyssa? I think it's Alyssa. I think it's Alyssa. Okay, we're going we're going either one. Thank you for your question. <laughs> if you ever want to shoot us a question that you want us to answer, shoot us an email, eventtechpodcast at helloellis.com, yes. and this is proof. We answer them right here. Yes. So, all right. And remember that Brand- Will and Brant are dumb, so if there's any question on the pronunciation, <laughs> just put it in there, and, and, and yes. we'll, we'll, that'll, that'll make it so that we're, we don't sound so dumb. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> and thanks so much, Brand, for doing this episode with me. It's always a pleasure, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing everybody next time on the Event Tech Podcast. Woohoo! Be safe out there. Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or let us know about some event tech we need to talk about. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast.